The BBC presents Jet Morgan in Journey into Space. as an unwilling prisoner and Dobson and Harding operating the sphere, Lemmy and I had managed to escape from the city of Lacrosolis and head out over the Argier Desert in search of Jet. Meanwhile, Jet had left the land fleet for a Martian truck, the driver of which had declared himself willing to help Jet get back to Polar Base if he would take the man back to Earth with him. This Jet agreed to do, and so the two men set out in a westerly direction towards the Mare Erythrium. Oh, what's the matter? What are you stopping for? They're here. What? Who? Look, up there, hovering above us. A sphere. God, grief. They've found us. It's all over. I'm afraid we'll never make it now. Couldn't we make a dash for it? Oh, there'd be no point. But don't worry. No physical harm will come to you. The Martians rely on other methods. And I gather you're immune to the hypnosis. No, I'm not. They hypnotized me the first day I landed here out on the ice. Eh? Then why didn't they... Look! The door's opening. Somebody's stepping out. He's wearing a spacesuit. Well, I mean, it's Doc. Hello, Doc. Lemmy, this is Jet. Hello, Jet boy. Then you are in there, mate. It's not McLean. No, it's not. Say we are, Lemmy. We're coming out. I'll explain everything when we're safely inside the sphere with okay, you. Okay, Jet. Come on. My hunch that Jet must have boarded the truck that had left the strange tracks near the land fleet had been right. And we had overtaken the machine within a few minutes of leaving Jet's empty truck where we found it, out on the desert. Once aboard, Jet introduced us to the stranger. His name was Webster. He'd apparently lived in South Africa before being picked up by a Martian ship and brought to the Red Planet. Jet then told me to take the ship off and head for the great dome that lay on the horizon. But the stranger had other views. No. Not the dome. Head back for your polar base. Polar base? But we'll never find Frank or any of the others up there. I tell you, Mr. Morgan, if you want to get back to Earth to warn them of a proposed invasion, you have no time to lose. Look, out there on the desert, we made a deal. Very well. I'll do what I can. Take off and make for the dome. But don't blame me if you all end up as the crew of number one almost certainly have already. That's our lookout. Okay, Lemmy, take her off. And if you must go there, keep at low level. There's less chance of our being detected. Dobson? Holding, take the ship up, maximum height, 20 feet, course due west. That's it. Once we were underway, Webster examined Dobson and Harding and pronounced them beyond hope so far as ever getting them back to normal was concerned. He then asked to see Mitch, so Jet and I took Webster to the upper cabin. Hello, Mitch. How are you feeling? Oh, will somebody tell me what's going on? Uh, who's this? Uh, this is Mr. Webster. He thinks he can help. How do you do? Where did he come from? He wasn't with us when we set out. No, Mitch. He left the Earth 15 years before we did. What are you talking about? Nobody had ever reached the moon then, let alone Mars. So you now think you are on Mars. What else am I to think? You told me we were, and, well, I've only got to look out of the window to see we're not in the space anymore. What is the last thing you remember, Mr. Mitchell? Being in the Discovery on, on my way here. Everything else between that time and now is a complete blank. 
Mr. Morgan, I'd like to have a word alone with Dr. Matthews. Certainly. Now, don't worry, Mitch. Everything's going to be all right. It had better be. Dobson! Harding! Stop the ship! Have we arrived already, then? Yes. Now, open the main door. All right, Mr. Morgan. If you care to wait here, I'll go and see what I can find out about Frank Rogers and the rest of his crew. And at the same time, bring a breathing apparatus for Mr. Mitchell. You're going alone? You look rather conspicuous in that spacesuit. Other people here might begin to ask awkward questions. That's all very well, mate, but how do we know what you're up to once you're out of our sight? You don't trust me? We've learned not to trust even our own eyes on this planet. Very well. If it makes you feel any better, I'll get breathing sets for the rest of you and you can all come. Oh. And then once we're in there, you've got the lot of us. You don't seem to like any of my suggestions, Mr. Barnett. That's right. Uh, leave this to me, Lemmy. Mr. Webster, you may or may not be in a position to help us. We cannot be sure as yet. So? So whatever you do, we must have some say in the matter. And what are you saying now? That you go into that dome and bring four sets of breathing apparatus with you. Yes? When you return, I'll have decided whether all or any of us will be coming back with you. Very well. Now, how long will it take you to get them? About ten minutes. Right. But if you're not back in that time, we shall take off. What, and leave me here? But you promised you would take me back to Earth with be you. Be back within ten minutes, alone. You can expect me back well within that time. Webster returned in seven minutes. And, as he had promised brought four sets of breathing apparatus with him. They were so compact that at first I couldn't believe they would be of any use. But a test proved that they were efficient enough. While Lemmy and Jet were taking off their suits prior to going outside, I took one of the breathing apparatuses up to Mitch. A few minutes later, he was down in the cabin with us and breathing its thin atmosphere quite normally. Well, that's it. And thank goodness I don't have to stay upstairs alone anymore. Are you ready, Mr. Morgan? The more time wasted, the less chance we have of getting away. All right, Doc. If we're not back in an hour, you know what to do. Yes, Jet. And good luck. Now, take care of yourself, Cobber. Come along, Lemmy. Yes, Jet. But I'd feel a lot better if I was carrying my spacesuit over my arm. Hey, what happens if this thing gives out on me? It will last you more than 48 hours. In any case, you need wear it only for a few minutes. You can take off your masks now. <sighs> the atmosphere is breathable, all right. Oh... Smells just like the London tube. Now, this way. Where are we now? Inside the wall on which the dome rests. Deep down underground is a factory. Its workers are all conditioned types. But it is run by unconditioned men like myself. On orders received from Larkasolis. Now we go through here. Blimey! What place is this? It's one of the assembly shops. We have to pass through it to get to the main control room. And look at all them blokes working their insides out down there. Yes, they think they're back on Earth. And what do they think they're doing? Working in an aircraft factory. Making bombers. Hi. Now, come on. We go along here and down the stairs. Now, in you go. Walk right through the shop and down to the other end. Don't talk to anybody if you can help it. Hey, Chet. What's that poster up there with a picture on it? What's it say? Keep your mouth shut. The enemy is everywhere. And look, that, that fell under the table. That's Hitler, isn't it? Come on, Lemmy. Don't lag behind. Well, what's Hitler got to do with this place? Lemmy, come on. Hey, Jim, got a match? Hey. Uh, what was that? Have you got a match? For my fag, I've got five minutes for a spit in a drawer. Um, no, I'm sorry, mate. I'm right out of matches. Oh, well, never mind. I'll get one from Tom. You going to work here? Um, maybe. I'm not sure yet. Oh, you didn't give up a good job just because of the war, did you? Because if you did, you were a mug. Oh, why? Oh, because it'll all be over by Christmas, that's why. 
Uh, you work on aircraft before? Um, not the kind you're making. Not a bad life, really. Foreman's a bit of an... Is he? Anyway, there's one thing to be said for working here. If you get any spare time, you can knock yourself up a lighter on the side. Then where's yours? Let me come on. What are you hanging back here for? I'm sorry, Jet. I, I couldn't just walk away from him. He thinks he's back in the 1940s working in an aircraft factory. That's what they all must think. And all the time they're making spheres for the perishing Martians. This is the main control room. It's in constant touch with Arcus Solus. If there's any news to be had about Rogers and his crew, it'll come from here. Oh, I see. Now, remember, both you and Mr. Barnett are new personnel. You were picked up from Earth and you landed here only a couple of days ago. Uh -huh. You are condition-resisting types. I'm showing you over the place. Is that clear? Perfectly. Then let's go in. Oh, hello there, Bill. Thought you were out on the Murray. I was. I was called over to HQ and told to bring these gentlemen over here and show them a few things. They're newly up from Earth and haven't quite got used to the idea yet. Oh, welcome to the fold, gentlemen. You have my deepest condolences. Where did they pick you up? Uh, the crew of the Sphere, you mean? They brought us from Earth? Who else? Uh, from London. London? It's not the habit of the Spheres to drop down on populated districts. Oh, uh, oh not London exactly. Uh, Hampstead East. I should have thought that even that would have been a little too crowded. Well, it, it was, it was uh, late at night, and it was foggy. And they weren't the only ones. I know. There were four newcomers landed in Lacastolis this morning. I was talking to them a few minutes ago. Talking to them? Were they called Rogers and Grimshaw? That's right. Good subjects, too, by all accounts. Three of them grade three types, capable of being put into the deepest sleep. Oh, no. Would you care to see them? Uh, uh, where can I see them? Now, when the screen warms up, they're They're undergoing their initial training, learning to obey orders by remote control. They are. That's Frank. In a few days, they'll be coming to work here. By then, they'll be used to my voice and to doing exactly as I tell them. Rogers, stand up. Oh, blimey, Jet. Look at him. He's doing it. Can you hear me, Rogers? I can hear you. Are you prepared to take my orders and to act on them? Orders must be obeyed without question at all times. Very good. Sit down, Rogers. Now, Grimshaw. I can hear you. Turn it off. What are your orders? Turn it off, do you hear? I'll tell you, turn it off! What are you getting so excited about? Do you think it's funny parading Frank and Grimshaw around like that, like I was Whittaker exhibitor in a circus? Mr. Barnett. You knew Whittaker? Uh, we'd uh, heard of him. Mr. Webster told us about him. Where is Frank? How far away from here is he? Too far for you to get at, Mr. Morgan. You can give up all hope of trying to rescue him. What makes you think I want to? You can't fool me. I know that neither Rogers nor any of the men with him came to this planet in a Martian sphere. What? How do you know? Not 15 minutes before you came in here, a warning that men from Earth had landed on the planet two weeks ago was put over the intercommunication system. Apparently, two of them took a sphere from Larkas Solus. The other is still out on the Argea Desert somewhere, and a search for him has already begun. Apparently, they know about the proposed invasion of Earth at the next opposition. Don't you, gentlemen? What a cat's out the bag now, isn't it? No, Sam. What you say is true. But you are an Earthman yourself, and so am I. I was once. You still are, Sam. In spite of the time you've been up here, you still are. I am a Martian. It is my duty to report the fact that two of the Earthmen are here. You mean nobody knows we are here but you? Yes, that Look, is so. Look, Sam, you'd like to go back to Earth, wouldn't you? I came here in 1896. What would be the point? 
When I left Earth 75 years ago, I was 35 years old. You know what would happen to me the moment I left this planet. I have no wish to die yet. But if we don't get back to Earth, they'll know nothing about the invasion. And how are they going to defend themselves? It is not intended that they should know of the invasion or how to defend themselves. And you cannot be allowed to return to tell them. No, you traitor. Webster, take these men to the living quarters. I'll report their presence here to Larkas Solus immediately. No, Sam, wait. They've promised to take me back to Earth with them. You? What do you want with Earth? You who came here in 1910. I didn't. It was 1956. And I wasn't old. Look at me. Am I old? I could still spend a few more years on Earth, couldn't I? Couldn't I? Don't make me laugh. You'd fade to nothing the moment you put foot on the place. You're not conditioned for Earth, you know. You're not a Whitaker. You've got to believe me, Mr. Morgan. I did come here in 1956. Oh, shut up and get out. And take these Earthmen with you. I have a report to make. Lemmy. Yes, Jed. No, 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 Sam. Don't. Don't, don't tell them. Okay, Lemmy, now. Right, now. Oh, 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 oh Lemmy, now. Go on. Yes, mate. Go on. Oh, 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 what have you done? There'll be nothing else to pay. Uh, never mind. If you want to get back to Earth, help us get out of here. Yeah. All right, Lemmy, that's but, enough. If anybody could get that gear to work now, he'd be a genius. Right, mate. Now what? Now back to the sphere. I'm right with you, boy. Uh, come on, Mr. Webster. If you want to get back to Earth, this is your last chance. That controller recovers and gives the alarm. Jet! Wait! Webster! What about him? He, he's fainted or something. Eh? Right? Hold on, I'll be right with you. Now, what's wrong? Oh, look at him. Go, go on. Leave me and go on. What happened to you, Webster? I, I got hurt in the fight. Why didn't you say so? I didn't want to hold you up. Now, do as I say. Go on. Put his arm around your shoulder, Lemmy. Right. We haven't far to go now. Right. Come on, quick as you can. The airlock's just along that corridor. Put in your mask, Lenny. You'll need it when we get outside. Right. There they are. Hey, stop! Oh, blow me their ear. Wait! Stay where you are! Come on, Lenny, inside. Quick! And carefully. That's it. Wait, Mr. Morgan! Wait! I'm sorry, chum. We've got a train to catch! Webster's hurt. Okay, Jet. Mitch, right with you, Doc. Okay, Lemmy. Yeah, we've got it. Good. Uh, take it easy, Mitch. All right. Lay him on the floor. Oh, get him out of here, Doc. And quick. They've already got a search party out after us. What about Frank and, and Grimshaw? Oh, I'm afraid there's nothing we can do about them now, Doc. I see. Take a look at Webster and see right. what you can do for him. Okay. Meanwhile, I'll get the ship underway. Well, come on, Lemmy. What are you hanging around outside for? Them blokes who was following us. They're coming through the airlock. Then come on before they get over here and grab you. But they don't want to grab us, Mitch. They want to come with us. What? Did you hear that, Jet? Yes, I heard it. Harding, take the ship up. Raise it 12 feet and hold it there. 12 feet? And what about the door? Don't you intend to close the door? No, Lemmy, I want to talk to those men down there. All right, Harding, that'll do. Take us with you, Captain. Take us back to Earth. How many of you? Just the four of us, that's all. How long have you been on this planet? 15 years, since 1956. You as well? Isn't there anybody on this part of Mars who came here any other year? You must believe us. We want to go home. We're young, all of us. We've a long life ahead of us, even down on Earth. Don't do it, Jet. It's a trick to get us to return to ground level. All right, I'll take you, but one at a time. 
Now, three of you go back a hundred yards. You'll climb aboard in order, as I tell you. Now, take it easy, Jeff. Four of them could be too much for us. I can't leave them, Mitch. Harding. What are your orders? No, Jeff. Wait. What is it, Doc? Come over here. Look at Webster. What's the matter? Come over here and see. Yeah. He? He's dead. Must have received a hard knock during that fight. But he's old. So very old. From looking at him, I'd say nearly a hundred. But he swore he was young. Said he'd been up here only since 1956. He wanted to get back to Earth so desperately he lied. But he knew that if he did, his age would catch up on him. Well, maybe he thought he'd have just one more glimpse of Earth before he died. Well, Jet, how about those men out there? Are they the same? Harding. What are your orders? Close that door. Head for Polar Base at maximum speed. No! No! No, Captain Morgan! Don't leave us! Take us back! Take us back to Earth! We hated leaving those men behind, but what could we do? Our one thought now was to get back to Polar Base, the springboard for our long journey back to Earth. The distance to base was covered in less than two hours. And it was with a sigh of relief that we sighted the Discovery, standing upright on the ice, ready to take off. Half an hour later, we had left the sphere, were in the flagship, and almost ready to fire the motors. And, up to now at any rate, there was no sign of any machine in pursuit of us. Televiewer, stand view on. Now listen carefully, all of you. I've ordered Dobson and Harding to take the sphere into free orbit and join the fleet. I'll then have Davis take over two suits from number four and tell Dobson and Harding to transfer to number five. You mean you intend to take them back to Earth? Why not? The firing of the freighter motors is automatically controlled from here. Once we're underway, they'll have no choice but to come along with us. Now, let's get off. You all right down there, Paddy? Yes, sir. I'm quite comfortable, thank you. All right. Stand by for firing. In five seconds. Four, three, two, one... Contact! Okay, Jet. Discovery in correct position and traveling in free orbit. Right. Now we'll have to wait an hour before our position is favorable to fire the motors and head for Earth. Now, Lemmy, let Paddy out. Now, as soon as you're settled in your own ship, Paddy, give me a call. I will, sir. Can you see the sphere, Doc? Uh, yes, Jet. It's alongside number six. There, see it? Yes. Nine ships we set out with and only four are returning. And with Dobson and Harding to man one of them, perhaps only three. Our trip can hardly be called a success. Thirteen men lost, two ships wrecked, and three abandoned for want of crews to man them. But, Jet, for Pete's sake, look! Martian spheres, a whole fleet! What? Yes. Oh, where, Doc? Almost directly below us. Dozens of them. Paddy now drifting across to number three. Hey. Listen. There's that music. They're here. They aim to stop us, Jet. Put us all to sleep. How far and fast can those spheres travel? According to that flying, Dr. Jet, not very far. Then we'll try to outpace them. Lemmy, let me know as soon as Paddy's entered his ship. He's just reached the airlock now. And call up the ships, Mitch. Have them stand by for takeoff. Right. Though it will be only three ships after all. Hello, Space Fleet. Discovery calling. Stand by for takeoff. Repeat. Stand by for takeoff. Number three to flagship, standing by. Number four to flagship, standing by. Oh, blimey, they're giving out with a vengeance this time. Whatever you do, don't go to sleep. Fight it. Order, Mitch. Okay. And stand by. Position? Three degrees. 
two degrees. Firing imminent. One degree. Contact! Nimmy, the two freighters, are they with us? Yes, Jet. Almost as far as simultaneous. Oh, good for them. But Jobson and Hardy's here haven't moved. Oh, I didn't expect it to Mitch. By now, they're obeying other orders than ours. And the spheres are making no attempt to pursue us. <laughs> We're going to make it. <laughs> We're going home. Established contact with control a week after takeoff, and as we suffered no interference or jamming from Mars, we were able to tell them the whole story of our landing, of the loss of most of our ships and half our men. The main object of our trip, the exploration of Mars, was virtually unaccomplished. Our only achievement, a few measly specimens of Martian soil picked up in the area around Polar Base when we first landed. But the reason for our premature return had been achieved to warn the Earth of the proposed Martian invasion during the next close opposition. At first, our story was not believed, but as we passed more and more details of our incredible adventures back to Earth, the truth slowly began to sink in. Hello, space fleet control calling. Come in, please. Hello, control. Barney, dear. It's requested that full details of the construction of the Martian spheres be passed to control together with all known methods of operating, same as soon as possible. Oh, blimey, mate, we only flew in them things. We didn't take them apart. Sorry, Lemmy, I don't write these orders, only pass them on. Our depleted fleet, consisting of only the flagship and a freighter on either side, limped home on its long journey to overtake the Earth, which we hoped to do some six months after leaving the hostile planet. We were constantly at the radio, telling Control everything we could remember of the people we had met who had originally come from Earth, of the pyramid in the canal, of the great pyramid city in the Lacus Solis. Nothing was left out, and most of it retold over and over again. And then, at last, after six months and two weeks' flight through space, the ships were turned over, and we prepared to make the moon landing. Hello, space fleet. Your call received. Course X723, track E. Platform is now cleared and ready for touchdown. And good luck. Thank you, Control. Landing imminent. Doc, gyro. Contact. Motor, Mitch. Okay. And stand by for firing. Height, 10,000. Position, Lemmy. Bang on. 9,000. Well, we made it. That's something. I only wish it was good news we was bringing home. 8,000. And when we do land, I expect we'll go straight into the interrogation room and stay there. We'll be lucky to get home in a month of Saturdays. 7,000. Stand by, Doc. Okay. Lemmy? Yes, mate. All right on my end. Freighters turned over an information. 6,000. 5,000. Contact! Well, gentlemen, that's it. We made it safely. And let's hope the next ship to land here is not a Martian one. And so man's first trip to Mars was over.
But it marked only the beginning of man's dealings with that fiery planet. The invasion of Earth did indeed begin two years later, 13 years before it was intended. No doubt after their plans had become known, the Martians thought it best to strike immediately, and the first ships of the Martian invasion fleet landed in Asia on September 23, 1973. But that's another story. In episode 20 of Journey into Space, the last of the present series, you heard Andrew Folds as Jet Morgan, David Kossoff as Lemmy, Guy Kingsley Pointer as Doc, Bruce Beebe as Mitch, and with David Jacobs and John Casapar. The orchestra was conducted by Van Phillips, who also composed the music. The sound control and special effects were by Brian Willey and Joe Young. Journey into Space is written by Charles Chilton and produced by him in the London studios of the BBC.